0: So yeah, waiting for someone to, to call bullshit on all of that.
1: But apparently it's all true.
2: Mainly because my father was disgusted with it and that made me so happy.
1: I think you have to have a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety and have something that keeps it challenging.
2: Otherwise, why bother?
0: <laughs> Welcome to The Imposterous. The Imposterous is hosted by me, Michael Knox, and Graham Drew. Two rather insecure frauds, we'll be exploring the motivating and debilitating experiences we all have with imposter syndrome with a sneaky suspicion that it might just be your superpower, if you let it.
2: I think it's important to be a little bit scared or have a little bit fear of what we're doing.
3: I can be a regular therapist, if you like.
2: <laughs> so, so Merli, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we've been When Michael and I started this thing, we drew up a big list of people that we wanted to bring on, and you were right near the top of that, um, because...
0: You. your standing
2: especially in this part of the world is pretty high and um in terms of you know not just leading with creative work but campaigning for all the right things especially in terms of female leadership and a presence within our industry which we all know sucks and it could be so much better um yes. i think you've been a real shining light in that so for the listeners merly facts Merli Fax is not a chairperson. She's a chair mum. She's also chief creative officer of Dentsu Jamie Sifu. Sifu? Is it Sifu. Sifu. There we go. And um, her name's on the door, which is always a good thing. She was the first Filipino to be created to awarded Creators of the Year at Campaign Asia Pacific. She's a business-minded creative. She's been recognized in the Guild Hall of Fame. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And... Um, Merli's uh, a huge presence in the creative world, especially in Asia, and um, we're really happy to have her here with us today. Thank now, you. Murley, what you, as you may or may not know, Imposterous is um, it's all about imposter syndrome, and it came about, you know, just from a chat with Michael and I, and then every creative we spoke to had a point of view on it, and it feels like it's something that's super present in our industry, especially because I think, you know, we have to be on show the whole time, there's a lot of pressure, and so therefore those feelings of inadequacy can hit us at any time. Our job is important, but the most important job for those of us that are parents is parenting. And in particular, you know, raising our kids. You've got four girls. You Mm -hmm. you yourself are a shining example of someone that just smashes through gas ceilings. And given that this thing is all about confidence and imposterism, how have you sort of, what's your secrets to instilling confidence with your kids?
3: Well... Thank you for that question, Graham. But uh, really, it's not, it's not hard. I would tell them it's okay not to fit in. Um, when normal people, when I say normal, most people would say you have to follow rules, you have to fit in. I would say it's okay, you know. I didn't end up in jail anyway. So by not fitting in, that's fine. To be different is something great, you know. I love the fact that they were all creatives. Two of them are already in different networks. Okay. Competitive to mine, competitive to mine. Yeah. <laughs> we have three Amazing. different networks in the house, but one is in Singapore from VML Winer, the other one is TBWA and I'm Densu. So can you imagine that? So I love the fact that we are all creative. And um, I I told them, girls, you're getting into this industry. You have to be able to learn how to take in rejections. Being creative, you you will take that every day. Once you put out your ideas out there be ready for it people will kill it people will ask for more people will put holes in it so be ready for failures and disappointment but what's more important is how you bounce back so i guess that's the more most important you have to you have to think that creatives are the most insecure people in the world
0: very true hence okay. this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and then i wanted to ask you on that Murley. Um, because you have a book, everyone can be creative. Yes. And a lot of people have taken a lot of different things that they need from that. And you just mentioned about your daughters and how we're all creative. And one of the points that you make in that is making your creative life difficult. Doing more, driving more, asking more of yourself, asking more of the brief, asking more of the work. How does that um, sit with the idea of pushing yourself forward and, and being satisfied? How does
3: that balance? Uh, when I said the creatives are the most insecure people in the world, that's the reason why we gun for awards or we we go for a pat on the back. You know, we're, we're never like satisfied. I just trust that because then I know I'm doing something good. When it comes easy or shortcuts, I feel we're not going to be rewarded for that. We're not going the right way. It's too easy. People will think about it. Just an example. I just had a pitch last week and, uh, in that pitch, it was like very obvious in the way the client was showing. This is where I want to go. When my team first came up with a very easy way out, this is what client wants. I go like, nah, we're we're against eight other agencies. They would think that. Well, funny thing is, what we did was, if you really want that, put a little deep, deeper thinking into it, change it a little bit, give it a different perspective. So this this poor kids in creative would think, what, what else, what else? You know, do more long nights. It didn't need to be, you know, it didn't just pass it easily, but do more, do more. In the end, we won the pitch and the client goes, no one of the eight agencies thought about that. <laughs> but but and it you, was you very sort of, satisfying. You just
2: sort of <laughs> stare and just walk away going, <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: but it was a good training for these young ones. I go like, see, I was just overly. So I'm like that. I overly look beyond it. I don't.
0: Why is that? Why, like, so, so, one of the traits of imposter syndrome is to over worry and over train. Is, is that why you do that?
3: Yes, because I would think, can you, the worst feeling is that, oh, another agency thought of that. I wouldn't, I would not forgive myself. I think we're pretty hard on ourselves that way. We want to make sure we're the best. We are the only ones who thought about that. And you, we come out as winners and we say, we thought that. Oh, so who won that. And that's what they put on in the pitch. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful. The worst thing is, what? They want the a pitch doing that? Okay, so we're pretty hard on ourselves because we want to be good so that, again, we, we get patted on the back again, we become good about ourselves, that we did something right and something hard and something no other people can think of. So it's always been a, a cycle in our minds to be that. Yes, it is imposter syndrome. It's something like we're never that good. So we have to push and be that good. In the past years, Sightings of different sea creatures washing ashore in the Philippines were being ignored. The last one was a sperm whale, with its stomach full of plastics. Yet it was still ignored. Until one fateful day. A 73-foot decomposing blue whale was found on the shores of one of the most polluted cities in the country. The closer people looked, they realized that it was entirely made of plastics.
2: Because I guess, you know, from where you're talking, pitches are kind of like a test. And just just listening to you, you clearly take it personally. Mm -hmm. You take that Mm -hmm. kind of thing personally, which is what makes it good. And that's one of the good sides of imposter syndrome is it makes you restless. It keeps you going until you can make it better and better. But how do you turn it off? Or can you turn it off? Do you personally, are you able to just sort of like go, enough is enough? Or can you just not do that?
3: If you know me well, at home, I'm a totally different person.
2: Mm.
3: I become that lioness outside home. I mean, I'm most competitive. Um, I'm 24 seven thinking of something when I'm at at home. So, so can you imagine this work from home situation for me? (laughs) I I, I almost like have two personas, you know, fighting each other because for me, the symbol of home is rest.
2: Mm. Take it off.
3: Take that hat off. You're a mom. Where do we eat dinner? You think about that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I just want to chill, follow everyone going to this direction. I don't want any stress on, you know, even thinking about that, those decisions, all decisions in the home, just go ahead and do that. But when I get and step on the office, every single decision is like, I want to be part of it. I want to think about it. Is that the right decision? Is it the wrong decision? Don't go there. We work harder for that. Are we going to pitch for that or that pitch is nothing? Okay, things like that. So work from home for me was difficult because I could not separate those two personas for a while. Yes. The first year was was really terrible for me. But right now I'm I'm used to that. My hours, where I am, but I've sort of like mixed the two worlds.
2: Now I'm going to take a bit of a left turn now. One of the great things about researching this podcast thing is we look into the people that you know we look up to and um found out some things about you merley um is it, it's impossible not to talk about the fact that you were a nun
3: <laughs> I know
2: <laughs> and, and and I think it's so fascinating you know just finding out the, where people all come from and that, but so from that sort of life of dedication and quiet contemplation to a life of diversity and noise making How did that work? Or was it it because you had that, you were seeking the complete opposite?
3: Yes, well, it was tough. Um, First and foremost, it was 13 when I entered. I was like a novitiate. I I ran away from home. I just wanted to make sure I had answers. You know, when you have a calling, you have questions, right? Mm. 13, I spent three years not going home, really going through a life of, they call it aura et labora. When it's meditating, it's work and pray.
1: The Latin phrase, Merli, referred to is aura et labora. It is a call to pray persistently and work relentlessly, even in the midst of uncertainty. It is believed that the capacity to balance the two is the secret of a fruitful journey of life, a spirituality for daily living. And yes, you heard right, Merli was silent for three years.
3: So I, I felt like it was a life of silence, but I learned some powers there. When you're silent your brain become very open and absorbs you know and, and absorbs very well. okay. So I was able to use that power later on when I got into communication, when I got into college, when I went out, I felt like I was absorbing so fast how people are, people's practices, behaviors, which I put in good use with consumers okay and i could tell if client is not liking what where you're going i kick my my account manager under the table go stop let's change let's change it right now you know you can i could have i could sense feelings you know very well i, I don't know it was something very natural to me but i kept that part of me a little bit of a secret i didn't want to be having a reputation of a you know you know very um, that image of uh, being um uh, very good, a good person, uncool, very uncool in our industry, right? So <laughs> I, <laughs> I think kept it's, that. it's I one of the coolest things I've ever heard.
2: Actually, I think <laughs> yeah. the fact that, I a good think cool shoots them.
3: kind of reputation is not, not something that you want to, you know, bring out in the industry. Um, that, I, we would joke that there's the word sin in advertising, so we were saying, ah, okay, and it sells. Keep, it, hmm, keep it And so It secret. sells really
0: well.
3: So I, I just learned it, and I merged the two learnings from my past and now when i founded my agency i wasn't prepared prepared for the big problems you know when you had a boss before when when things go wrong you point the boss when i founded my agency suddenly there was no boss it was you so when there were tough problems i found myself gravitating to what i learned in the past in the convent that's where i got the structure for the book when i when i wrote Uh, everyone's uh, uh, creative. It's more of like what I learned from the convent. It's funny things I learned in the convent. And then why am I doing this now? So little things like that. It was was awkward at first, but I got used to it. Um, I couldn't hide it now. People know it, but it was very, very helpful. Taking away, I was never stressful. Anxiety never happens. You have a way of dealing with that. Sort of like you're training to be a superhero, you know, in the past, a secret that you didn't know you had this magical stone or whatever.
0: I wanted to ask you about the connection, if there is one between belief and beliefs and faith and self-belief, because I think one of the counterpunches to imposter syndrome, if you like, is the notion of believing in yourself. And I'm just wondering how, whether you see a parallel between your time in the convent and the belief associated with that to your own inner confidence
3: now. Definitely. Um, first and foremost, the word belief, something to do with faith as well. Um, belief is, um, there are two voices in your head. One voice would always put you down. That's your imposter syndrome voice. Whenever you're you're challenged with something... <laughs> Come on, you don't have that skill for that. You can't even finish this. You can't even do that. Okay. But there's always a voice that you can train that comes up from within. The voice that kills it. The voice that tells you you can do it. The voice that tells you you had 30 years of experience, Merley. Even if you don't know accounting, uh, looking at numbers as a global president, you'll know what to do. When you listen to that voice, it somehow uh, drowns the other voice. And it helps me, it helps me psychologically, like thinking I can do things. And that belief inside you, once you make that voice a little more louder than the, than the other one, helps you out in every given situation there is. So, so that's one. And the other one is, um, I always have this thought of, when I'm progressing, you, you said something about restlessness. That's one thing that I put myself, put the word in my evaluation form every single year. I'm a restless person. I, I know when to move. Um, I have to keep on moving. And I know towards something that's better for me, you always put yourself on top. If it's not training you well, it's not, um, there's no mentor that's pushing you on. There's no nothing for you. There's no light at the end of that career path tunnel. Then it's time to look for options. So there's always that, there's a belief in yourself, pull up that positivity voice so that you believe more in yourself in your capabilities. And then the other one is look outside where you're going. Is this a, is this a network for you? Is this a job for you? There's no, no, nowhere for you to go. Then you have to look for something else. I've always believed that.
2: So given you're relatively close to the top of the tree, where are you going?
3: Okay. Now that I'm older, wiser, and I went through COVID, you know, I'm, I changed my my title and my role at the height of the pandemic. Okay, I I learned what I want. I can now voice what I want. There was there were times there were a lot of doubts of where I want to go. I want to try this. I, wanna, I always get out of my comfort zone. That's a, that's a good test. Am I in my comfort mm-hmm. zone? I Have to get out of that and go to a courage zone. Something that you have to be brave, not knowing where you're gonna what you're going to do, right? So when I got my global president role, oh my God, that's not exactly just a creative role. So I I took on accounting lessons. I took on uh, sessions with finance. I, I wanted to learn it. I don't want to be the, the stupid person in the room, though I think I was. <laughs> so, so you know, because everybody's talking like business and then I'm trying to pretend I understand everything, right? So I I had a year of that and I thought I'm old enough. At this point, I thought I have I know everything. Nope, and then um, and then you know what I did was follow my gut. Stop pretending. They probably know you. You know, you only have a limitation in this revenue talk today. But I followed my gut. Like I would have suggestion that is not based on numbers. It's based on what you believe in. And they would like what? Where is she coming from? Where is she pulling that out? And it turns out to be true when it comes to about when it when you talk about people how people feel empathy all of those i'm usually bright in those that's where i'm good at i know so i put that in a table i may not be as good as you talking about these things but this is what i'm going to put on the table and i could sleep soundly at night after that meeting
0: a lot of that's about the use of time and we just wanted to talk about the last 20 months however
3: Long this, is, this, this lockdown. Is the last this is the last few months. This yes. is when I changed my role, and I felt so you know um,
0: and 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 you 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 talk about this time being a time for rebooting, repackaging, recharging. How have you personally benefited from from this time?
3: Um, I talked about that because I know there were a lot of creatives questioning their roles as a creative do i still want to be in advertising hmm. i i may have 30 years in this business but i was also one of those questioning should i be in here what if i do something for making the world a better place to live in maybe i could do something else you know remember i have an i have a nun in my linkedin <laughs> possibly so that doesn't go away easily okay so helping out people things like that is always part of you i was questioning that as well But repackaging yourself is digging up something new, what you can do, what your skills are, what you can be good at. Um, Things that when you're in the office, you don't really think of. But now that you have this time to reflect, uh, the past 20 months for me was a real good time of reflecting where I want to go, what I want to do. And if you think I'm done, I know there's a lot more things I want to do out there, different things, which I'm okay. not going to reveal to you today.
2: <laughs> when you were talking about, you know, finding your confidence, finding that inner voice, which can out- drown out the, um, the doubting voice. And it's completely right. I just wonder, and this wasn't on the script by the way, but was there a specific time when you can remember when that happened? You know, was there like a specific, I don't know, a pitch or something didn't go right? Was there, can you remember a specific time when that happened?
3: Sometimes when tough times happen, um, when when a, when a very good person leaves your office or, yeah, difficult pitch where you feel like the whole world was invited to, um, you, you have all those realizations. Um, that's very normal. Um, it, there were times when, when these difficult things happen, the first thing you do is blame yourself. And um, especially when you're, you're, you're the one you're supposed to be the one meant. I'm a chair mom. I'm supposed to be the, the mom of everyone else. Right. I'm not perfect. So I feel always was it something I did was, was, I always do that. Um, it's not healthy, but it's, it's a natural thing. It's not wrong. There were also many moments where I tell young ones, it's okay to cry it out. When you feel so bad about something, cry it out. Then the next day, what can we do? How can we solve this more? How can we move forward? Just don't wallow in that misery for so long. It drags you down. So I guess there are many, many instances where you think that when you do that. But um, what makes you stronger is when you stand up again. There are many people who find it very difficult to stand up or bounce back, but it's, it's a must, it's a mandatory for you to survive this business.
2: You do, you do have to have a thick skin. It's just the reality of the business, right? Because you will, you will be even the best people in the world get knocked back. And the reason they're good is because they've been knocked back a lot and they've come back a lot. That's the truth of it. And that's trusting your gut, isn't it? You mentioned that before, and I think you know maybe that's that's kind of almost what we do as creative leaders. It's just getting better and better at trusting your gut because your gut is what it is. Your instinct is all you have,
0: yeah. and the
2: more you trust it, the better you'll be. That was awesome, Merle. Thank you. Um, now Michael has um, my, my, Michael has written a line to the end of our of our podcast, which um, I'm divided on. And uh, Michael, do you want to talk about that for a second?
0: Yeah, so we have a line we like to leave our guests with. We like them to go off, knowing that they've given so much and go off and feel really great about themselves. So we say, you are creative, you are loved, and you belong. Graham doesn't really like this line. I, I get the sense, actually, <laughs> he has described it as being I a bit shit. Be, I said it would be good for a yoga studio. That's <laughs> <laughs> So, Merle, we are wondering if you had a suggestion or whether you'd like to turn this into a brief and give it to one of your teams in one of your offices to potentially Ah. come back with maybe 30 ideas by the morning.
3: (laughs) Definitely didn't want to take a crack on this, but (laughs) offhand offhand, the first thing I'll say maybe is you're creative, you're crazy, you do not belong. And that's perfect.
0: Don't be surprised if that ends up (laughs) the next episode. (laughs)
2: Yes. I actually really like that. It's quite good. It's better than yours, Michael. Thank you, Emily. It was so good to speak Thanks, to you, Emily. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Keep you.
3: Interesting. Both.
1: Thank you very much for listening to The Imposterous. Apart from our fine, imposterous guests, none of this would have been possible without the help of the following wonderful frauds. Firstly, Andrew Stevenson at We Love Jam Studios, best music and sound house in Australia. Without his help, this would have been a series of WhatsApp messages with emoji responses. And also Hilton Moday, who has graced us with his theme music that you're listening to now. If you would like to catch up on all the other podcasts in The Imposterous series, visit theimposterous.com. You can also get in touch with us via email.